Hello and welcome to Bridget Episode 2. I'm your host, Ali Graham. Today I'm joined by artist, author and publisher, Mel Elliott. Enjoy. done a podcast before no i haven't have you not no i've done i've done quite a lot of interviews now i'm getting used to interviews but they tend to be radio which i suppose is similar i've done a few live radio ones so what off off the back of the coloring books you've done radio interviews do you studied at the royal college of art i did yeah yeah and before that i did fine art for design in batley but uh, i wanted to go to the rca since i was about five years old so that was always the next step for me. Did you do more illustrative stuff there rather than... No, I did mostly painting, but a lot of writing, making up little stories and scenarios and writing about my own life as well, which I, I do quite a lot. So I suppose the next stage in that just, okay, I'm writing and I'm making large images. They should really go together. Yeah. And, and, and then, I don't know, I ended up doing publishing. I don't have a literature background. I've I sound really thick now. I've barely read any proper books. No one reads. It's, it's <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I'd rather watch the film. But I do like writing. I am thinking of writing a novel. Really? Yeah. Is this a personal place you're coming from or quite a fictional thing? Fictional, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about that because it's literally an idea that I had a couple of weeks ago. Right. So it's very fresh. And I haven't worked out if it's really stupid yet or not. <laughs> So when you graduated, did you mm. go straight into publishing your own stuff? I went to work at Wyden and Kennedy, the advertising agency, um, just off Brick Lane, for about six months. It was just a temporary position. I loved it at first. It was very exciting at first. We were given really fun projects to work on. But the longer I was there, the more corporate it became. And I just started to find it quite boring. Mm. Not that creative. So do you need that sort of stimulus quite? Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm also just used to doing my own thing and working on my own and having my own ideas and then doing those ideas. I'm not saying I can't work as a team, I can, but yeah, it, I just like to do what I want. Who doesn't? I know, it, it, it seems, it sounds I sound really, like such a diva. Yeah, but... no, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's that weird thing where... Given the opportunity, I think a lot of creatives would just like to do their own thing. It's not easy to do that and make a living out of it. Mm. But it's not impossible. No. Were you were you set, like, this is going to be my direction? Or... No, not at all. When I left Wyden and Kennedy, which wasn't really out of choice, I would even though I didn't enjoy it, I would have stayed there. You know, I needed a job and I needed money. Before I left, I met Andy, who's a printer, and I had lots of drawings of Kate Moss, lots of line drawings of Kate Moss. And I went, I know, I'll make a Kate Moss colouring book. That'd be really nice. I'd buy that. Yeah. And that was it, really. He can print it for free. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> I just like drawing Kate Moss. Fair dues. I've been drawing her since since she came out in the early 90s. Right. Yeah, I just love drawing her. My style has always, even when I use paint, my paint style is just very crisp, very flat, black lines around everything. Sometimes I don't put the colour in, which is where the colouring books came from, really just black lines. Yeah, I'm not a messy artist mm. by any means. It's all has to be very crisp and as perfect as I can get it, right. which is very annoying at times. Do you want to break out of that at all? Or I'd you... love to, but I don't think I can. No? I really don't think I can. It's so inbuilt in me now. Once you find a certain formula that works, it's even harder to yeah. depart from that. Yeah, yeah. Was the Kate Moss book sort of a breakout success right away? Lots of people liked it. I wouldn't call it a success in terms of money or anything like that, but lots of people did like it, and that's 
kind of got my foot in a few doors in terms of just a few little boutique gift shops and a few nice little bookshops you know they really really liked it and then it was from there that it got picked up by another gift shop in London who happened to be a distributors as well they started stocking it and then they contacted me and said can we be your distributors and that's when it actually turned into a business right from a self-publishing point of view distribution is one of the most important things the creation and obviously the printing but Getting it out there. Is... Yeah, there's no point doing the first two things if you can't get it out into shops and get people to buy it. For people listening who might want to go into self-publishing, would you say it's a circumstantial thing or would you go looking for distributors? Or... For me, it was circumstantial, but yes, I would. If you want to develop a book or another product and get it out into shops, I would try and find a distributor. So much easier. Mm. When I started... I always had in mind Urban Outfitters as my target shop and my target audience. Mm -hmm. So everything that I came up with, I had the Urban Outfitters customer in my head. However, I couldn't get my stuff into Urban Outfitters. I couldn't even get them to look at it. Couldn't even find the address for the buyer or a buyer's name. I tried so hard Mm -hmm. and I'd send parcels off to, you know, I'd Google so much and try and find addresses. And I think I'd got somewhere and I'd send them a parcel and it would just come back unopened. Um, and as soon as I got the distributor, you know, my stuff was in Urban Outfitters yeah, well, within brilliant. a few weeks. What made it a little bit easier as well is that I just, I sent some stuff to Urban Outfitters in America and they absolutely loved it and put in a massive order immediately. Oh, and I didn't have a distributor over there or anything. And then UK was like, oh, okay, maybe that's, we will as well. Yeah, I suppose that's, that's <laughs> It did help, a, yeah. yeah you've, you've also put out books through publishers. Yeah. Where do you fall in terms of pros, cons, that side of it? That's tricky, actually. I was so excited when um, Pavilion first contacted me and said, we'd love you to do a book with us. Have you got any ideas? I was like, wow, that's amazing. Mm. They're proper. But they give you such a tight deadline. It was crazy. They gave me like nine weeks and I had to come up with all the ideas to go in the book and all the illustrations and photographs and the writing and, you know, absolutely everything. I was like, mm. my God, I can't do that in nine weeks, but I did. That is a down point. The deadlines are very tight. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm doing my own stuff, I don't have deadlines. I come up with an idea. I work on it. Sometimes I get bored, put it to one side, work on something else that I'm a bit more excited about. And um, sort of financially, the advance and the yeah. royalties versus you put all the investment in, but you get a bigger chunk back. That's the good part about it, is you get a nice lump of money up front, even mm. if they don't sell any books. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, they can't take that away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very annoying if they don't sell any books, because, you know, I don't want to do all that hard work and then no one sees it. Of course. But it is nice having that bit of security where, you know, it's not a lot of hard work for nothing. You are going to get some money out of it, even if people don't buy into it. When I do my own books, it's exactly the same, really. You, and it's... Still as frustrating if no one buys it. A little bit more because you don't get any money. And we've wasted a lot of money on printing, you know, and marketing and all sorts. That's the downside of self-publishing. But, you know, you try and do things that you think people will buy. Sometimes they don't. Eight times out of ten they work. Sometimes they just don't. With the actual subject matter, you talk about having a tight deadline, but in a way hitting a pop culture sweet spot is an art in itself. Have you ever sort of gone, oh, this person's really hot for this month. Do I try and hammer something out now? Or I've done that a couple of times. It just hasn't worked. For example, Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So I did a paper doll of her 
with all the crazy outfits in and I really liked it and I thought oh this will really sell she's so big at the moment but it just didn't she was big for the wrong reason yeah she was like people loved to hate her yeah it's tricky to get right you know but we have a small publishers if we do get it wrong we haven't wasted millions of pounds you know we do tend to do small print runs in until we know that something is going to work. Because we've had a couple that just haven't worked, we would tend to just have a thousand printed. The more you have printed, the cheaper it is sure. to get printed. And we always print our stuff in London, and we always use 100% recyclable paper and everything. You know, it's not a cheap process. Mm. When I first come up with something, we want to test if it works. We have started digitally printing, get samples out to the distributors, put it on my website, see what happens mm. for a few weeks. Usually, we, it's not very long before we then have to go to the litho printers and, and order a you know a batch. Do you have a sort of fan base that consistently buy them, or is it a different pockets? I do. I have a few people who buy absolutely everything I do. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's nice, lovely. Yeah, it's absolutely lovely. There's a certain bunch of fairly young women or teenage girls who are just really into English actors. The people who bought Benedict Cumberbatch, I know they will buy Tom Hiddleston, they bought Jamie Dornan, and they bought Eddie Redmayne. Would you say it's predominantly female punters? Yes. That's not to say I don't have a lot of male customers as well, but yeah, I think it's, it's mostly women. Where do you sort of stand on this whole adult colouring book thing that's going on at the moment? I I'm mean... annoyed that I'm not making millions of pounds out of it, because <laughs> I started it. <laughs> But you you don't claim to be zen and relaxing. It is relaxing, but mine my books are very different to mm. that. These books are very intricate, with very tiny little shapes that are supposed to send you into a, you know another planet or whatever. Mine mine's more fan art, really. Yeah. And you can get some really lovely results out of them. It's a bit of fun, really. The French publishers that have basically started off this movement, they came to me a couple of years ago and they wanted me to do a colouring book for them. And I couldn't because of contracts with other publishers right. and contracts with my distributors who also distribute in Europe. It just didn't happen. So they got someone else to do it. And then they created this massive sort of media frenzy about colouring it. Which, you know, it's fine. It's actually helping with our sales as sure. well. Yeah. You know, we haven't got the same market as that, but mm. it's, it's driving people to us as well. Would you say sort of online sales are better than shop sales or people tend to go to that horrible shop that begins with a <laughs> that i refuse to even mention you're not a fan of the no <laughs> what's what's the beef with the a they just take 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 and you know they demand such high discounts and they basically want to take over shopping and a lot of people do buy my stuff online just right. not necessarily from my online shop okay. though as i said they will go to the bigger stores mm. because they can I suppose they can get more stuff there. You bundle it all in. Exactly, with, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can buy a cookery book for your mum. Yeah. And um, at the same time, you're buying a Tom Hiddleston colouring book for yourself. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at your website, it's sort of as featured in Vogue and GQ and all, all these amazing places. Was that due to sort of good marketing or...? It kind of started happening by accident. I would get some people who'd seen my stuff in Urban Outfitters, for example, or, or you know, in a nice online gift shop. And, you know, I'd get journalists contacted me. It all kind of started happening with the Ryan Gosling colouring book, right. I'll be honest, that just went mental. Yeah. I did wake up one morning, we'd printed 20 copies of that, because I just, I just did it for me and my neighbour, who really fancied Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I didn't know anyone else even knew who he was. <laughs> printed 20 copies, went to bed, and uh, woke up the next morning, 
I did feel like I was in charge of Amazon that not morning. I was really? like, oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> Just thousands and thousands and thousands of orders. Amazing. Yeah, it was nuts. And then it press started picking up on it. And since that happened, I, I created um, quite a lot of press contacts. Having realised how well the press side of things can work in terms of sales and getting stuff out there, I started being a little bit more proactive in terms of the whole press side of things. Yeah. So now when I do a new product... I'll do a small press release. I'm not great at doing press release, but, you know, I say what it is, how much it is, where it's from, and just send it to my few contacts that I've got. Recently, I've started hiring a press company to do that for me in the UK. If you can concentrate on what you do. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I was, the press side of it is so important. Not just press, the marketing as well. They They are different things. And it is so important, but it does take you away from actually creating stuff. And that's, that's, fundamentally what I want to do. Have you been comfortable doing it up till now? I have been comfortable and I don't dislike it. You know, it's really nice when you you send out an amateur press release and within five minutes of emailing it out, you start getting people saying, oh yeah, we'd love to feature this. Can you send some high-res images? I'm like, wow, that actually worked. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. I was quite lucky because I did get a few contacts fairly early on. Um, but what you shouldn't be afraid to do is just phone up a magazine and say, I want to send a press release to the features editor. Can I have their email address, please? They're all really accommodating. Basically, they want you to do their job for them. So, you know, they're more than happy to get these things. Whether they feature your stuff or not is a different matter, but they're more than happy to receive press releases or yeah. products or whatever. Saves them having to look for things to write about. Yeah, like obviously the Ryan Gosling one was the biggest to date, would you say? Benedict Cumberbatch is is fighting pretty strong, I'll be honest, yeah. Has there been any actual sort of personal kickback from any of the celebrities you featured? Yes. Really? (laughs) Not with the colouring books, um, with a paper doll book, which is no longer for sale. Who was that? Lady Gaga. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Was that a bad kickback then? Yeah. I don't think it was her necessarily. It's, you know, the company that, that... was in charge of her image rights and I don't even think it was them to be honest this horrible company in London called Bear and Wolf because I have a publishing lawyer now who kind of checks what I do to make sure that I'm not upsetting people or breaking any laws in terms of copyright and image rights and that sort of thing Um, so he reckons this this company who are quite nasty they're not even lawyers because he checked them out he reckons that they go looking for things and then they would have phoned up Lady Gaga's image rights people and said I found this do you want me to try and make some money for you a bit like um you know the accident people oh, right okay. yeah I think they're yeah. basically doing that but in terms of image rights and copyright wow. and sort snitching. of thing snitching yeah. for cash yeah do you think it's a case of as long as it's with love it's okay or do you think people are more sensitive this is a really tricky one I do think about this quite a lot I tend to think if it's with love it's okay all of my stuff is is fan based I do stuff about celebrities because I actually like that person but I also think you know what if I didn't like someone so for example if I wanted to do a politics colouring but I don't see a problem with it it's sort of satire and parody yeah exactly yeah I, I really don't have a problem with it I think you know you can go a little bit too far with these things you know to the point where you can affect someone's life and upset them but I think generally I don't have a problem with it at yeah. all have you ever come up against something that your legal team have said, don't touch it? The things that I can't do are TV programmes or sort of characters from a TV or film. Oh, okay. So basically I can't do TV 
series or films, basically they're someone else's creation. So, and I do get that. Right. Whereas a person, okay, you know, it was two parents' creation, but it's it's slightly different. So yeah, I re- I would love to do a Breaking Bad coloring book, but I can't. I could probably get around it. A Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. I could do Color Me Bad. So it never actually says Breaking Bad anywhere in it. I don't know. You know, if I wanted to do that, I would have to go to my lawyer and say, how can I do this without mm. getting in trouble? There's so much stuff out there that yeah. if they were to target you specifically, surely they would have to target thousands of people doing yeah, something similar. Yeah, you'd think so. Or I suppose you could approach them and... I've tried, I've tried many times, yes. Never hear anything back. That's a pity. (laughs) Yeah. So you've also done Pearl Power, your children's book. Yep. How's that all gone? Really good, yeah. It's, um, I'm really, really proud of it. It's it's one of the nicest things I've worked on. Um, And I'm not a traditional illustrator, so for me, writing the children's book came very, very easily, but illustrating it I found quite difficult. It's... It's not my usual style. My usual style just doesn't really work right. in terms of children's books. So that was tricky. But, you know, the final piece I was really proud of. And You're publishing that yourself as well? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's hard getting a children's book out there and getting it to sell. Sure. It has been a very slow seller. Everyone that has it loves it. But there's just such a lot of competition, especially for that sort of age range yeah. as well. And and large bookshops, they're struggling and they don't want to take many chances unless it's got Julia Donaldson's name on it they're like oh I'm not sure about this mm. I really like it but you know will people buy it we always thought that the pearl power will be a slow process and it's going to take a lot of work to get that out there and to get and market it properly mm. and I think the more books we do the easier it will, it will get sure and in terms of the subject matter it comes from quite a progressive feminist point of view yeah would you say? I would say it's it's more about gender equality I think the first book was I think definitely a feminist book for young children but it was to teach boys young boys and girls about feminism and, and gender equality issues and the next book is definitely more about gender equality rather than feminism it's called Pearl Power and the Toy Problem and it's about toys that are targeted at girls or boys for right. example kitchen sets are always targeted at girls and most sports things are targeted at boys, you know, for example, dolls for girls, yep. dinosaurs are for boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the second book is about teaching boys and girls, you know, to ignore all the marketing and the adverts. And if, you, if you're a little boy who wants to do some sewing, just do it. It feels that kids don't necessarily need that education. It's more the marketing people that need exactly, that Exactly, yeah. Or sometimes the parents. I think parents put these notions on children without realising. They're not, you know, they're not doing it to be bad. It's so inbuilt in, in us that it's, it's quite difficult not to. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And it's difficult. I mean, my little girl is, she calls herself a tomboy, which I, again, find quite annoying because lots of people tell her she's a tomboy. Right. She, will only, she won't wear dresses. She won't have her hair up in nice plaits. She just wants to wear trainers, denim shorts and a Minecraft T-shirt all the time, which, you know, I don't have a problem with that. It's absolutely fine. But I don't like that people call her a tomboy. I'm like, she's not a tomboy, she's a girl. Yeah. Who doesn't want to wear a dress. It's more rhetoric and more words used necessarily than people having a meaning behind it. They're not calling your child, oh, look at your child that looks like a boy. Yeah, it's just, they're not being mean. They're yeah. not being mean at all. It's just a word that, that's in their head yeah. for a little girl who doesn't want to wear a dress. Yeah, but I guess for a girl, 
that might lodge somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you've done also that, your T-shirt, you're moving into T-shirts. Yeah, a feminist T-shirt, the feminist yeah. feminist one. I came up with the design for a screen print, really. I just wanted a nice feminist screen print for myself, and I did it in pink glitter, which was a, you know... <laughs> kind of juxtaposition. Yeah, but I, I just really quite liked the lettering design, and I thought that would make a really nice T-shirt, actually. So I did some children's T-shirts, and I just did some adult T-shirts, and they're now with my distributors. Cool. Hopefully going off into shops. I'm interested to know what, individually, how people take the word feminism, what it means to them. Since I did the children's feminist T-shirts, few parents have bought them for their children, and the child has said, what is a feminist? Which is what I really wanted to do these T-shirts for, because I do want parents to have to think about this and I want children to have to think about this and, and most of the parents have said a feminist is someone who thinks that boys and girls men and women should be equal and the kids are just they're kind of baffled by the thought that anyone would not think that they're equal which is great men and it, women boys and girls are equal that's what it is to me yeah and yeah when you boil it down to equality yeah but yeah it's about equality that's yeah. all we're not saying women are better than men <laughs> It's just about equality. Kids growing up now, it's almost like sexuality and gender. And I think they'd just much rather just watch YouTube. Like, yeah. it, it, doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't strike them as weird. Like, words saying equal is sort of like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, it's quite trendy at the moment, isn't it? Mm. In terms of my daughter, I was, I was always make sure that she knows what's going on in other countries Mm -hmm. because I think it was it's going to take a long time for men and women to be equal all over the world yeah so it shouldn't be a trend well you know let's see hopefully it's a step in the right direction yeah definitely definitely. yeah Um, are you more interested in pop culture than you think you would be because it's almost your job I mean my work's always been about pop culture you know since I can remember I would be sitting there with smash hits trying shaking stevens or <laughs> or kim wilde or something and basically my work hasn't really moved on since then i just got a bit better at drawing and even you know when i make large painting there's always an aspect of pop culture involved in them so yeah it's just it's, it's just what fuels my work really so you're not like oh god here comes another boy band sort of thing like no (laughs) (laughs) i don't enjoy all the boy bands but (laughs) (laughs) your yardstick can be your daughter as well and so sort of following stuff yeah she's she's now got uh, well her and her friends coming home from school and saying oh can you do a coloring book of this ed sheeran for example all right or zoella yeah so it's nice it's nice getting their input yeah (laughs) do you think you'll keep doing the colouring books I don't know everyone's doing it now <laughs> mm, yeah you're jumping on a bandwagon you started yeah you know. I will I will do a few more but for even before it went it all went colouring in crazy I was getting a little bit bored I still like doing them but I don't want that I don't want to be the colouring book lady right you know I want to do other things yeah are you looking to expand operations in terms of publishing or yes I think so I'll definitely do more children's books myself I wouldn't mind publishing children's books that are made by someone else Mm. same with other types of books I really enjoyed doing the card game that I did last year you know I'd like to go more down that route I'd like to start designing some fabrics, you know, do some more t-shirts, you know, dresses, who knows. I guess it must feel quite good that you can 
actually realise those ideas? Well, you know, I might not necessarily, not at the moment. You know, all the all these ideas, the colouring book format, we know what to do now. Mm. We know how much it costs and, you know, we can fund that. These other things, you know, they're a bit more expensive, they're a bit more experimental. So they're a lot more difficult, but, it, you know, it shouldn't stop me from doing them. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this, do you think? I think if we're talking creative stuff, I would... I'd have gone down the fine art route, hmm. been a painter, a mad painter somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been a mad painter as well. But I think, if, you know, if I hadn't gone to art school or anything, I've, I don't know, I've always been really interested in hair. hair. <laughs> I might have been a hairdresser. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been really interested in my own hair, but yeah, I think, I don't know, I always look at hairdressers and think, I like the look of that. I like the sound that the scissors make and everything. Something still creative yeah yeah the last thing i ask people is for like a pearl of wisdom oh um not pin yourself down too much i think a lot of people get they kind of develop a practice and they it's great and they're good at it and they don't really move on i think it's quite good to change your practice and to challenge yourself and you know try different things even if you're brilliant at something and it's working really well you have to keep evolving and moving on as a creative person you know i've been quite good at making coloring books but who knows what I'm really good at? You know, yeah. I might be amazing at something else. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right, thank That's you. That's a podcast right there. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was fun. Thanks again to Mel for joining me today. If you want to find out more about her work, visit ilovemel.me or follow her on Twitter at Melly Elliott. I've been your host, Ali Graham, and this has been an Audio Block podcast. Audio Block.